0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Most Hexcellent Podcast. The Most excellent Podcast is a podcast on everything from the paranormal to true crime to all things strange and odd and peculiar. I am Gina, and I am doing this with my best friend and co-paranormal investigator, Danielle. Hi, I'm Danielle. Danielle and I have been best friends for almost 10 years now. 10 10 years. years. So I don't know if you want to talk about any of your background with it or why you got interested in it in the first place.
1: Okay, so I think for me, I've always been really interested in the paranormal. That's always been something like since I was little, I've always loved scary movies. I've always loved hearing stories. Um, I have two older sisters. So my sisters always had friends over who would come over and tell ghost stories about past lives or haunted houses or, you know, my own family. When my sisters were growing up, they grew up in a really, really severely haunted house. So I think I've always had such a fascination with the paranormal ever since I was young, and I've always just been so drawn to it. Um And I think, too, what's interesting is that I love the concept of something being more like I love the concept there's something Mm -hmm. more out there that like we don't know about that we can't touch feel sense all of the time but it's still like ever present so I think that's always what I've been interested is that like unknown aspect of like even just ghost hunting witchcraft all of it like I've always been extremely drawn to it and I think that's like part of it like our friendship started literally because (laughs) of paranormal state we
0: literally was we were like you watch paranormal state I watch paranormal state you love Ryan Buell and Chip Coffee and all of those. And Lorraine people. Warren. And Lorraine <laughs> Warren. Me too, man. Let's go. And I'm kind of like the same way. a part of why we connected so much is because we had these insane stories growing up of our haunted apartments, of strange things happening to family members, and this is. Is something that has been a very long time coming because we have always said for years and years, we want to be paranormal investigators, whether it's with YouTube or whatever. And podcasts weren't really a thing. I mean, they Mm -hmm. were, but not until recently that they've grown so much. And you see, you know, all these tours and, you know, like My Favorite Murder, you know, which was a big inspiration for us, Mm -hmm. too, because, you know, these girls have women, not girls. These women have similar lives to us and things that we've gone through, and it's something that we like to research and find out more as well. We can get right into what we're doing. We decided for our first episode that we wanted to do creepy, haunted, scary archaeological sites or things that have to do with um, creepy things being found that probably should have been left alone in the first place so Danielle is actually going to go first with hers and I don't know what it is either we're kind of going with that style where we're not going to tell each other what we're doing so let's get started all right Regina are you ready to <laughs> I hear am. the story of
1: Ootsie Ootsie or as I like to call him Lil Ootsie <laughs> so Lil Ootsie okay Uzi. let's hear about Lil Ootsie okay so Gina It is September of 1991. Okay. And I don't know if they're a couple or they're sister and brother. I don't know what they are. They've they've been like said different things. Is this Italy? This is... Wait, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) So... I was going to say. They either are brother, sister, or they're a couple. I'm not sure. But their names are... They're two German tourists, and their names are Helmet and Erica Simon. Helmet. Helmet. Okay. Like helmet, like your head. Okay. All right. So they're... I don't even know how to say this word, but it's... His name is Uzi, so I'm guessing Oz, Oztel Ap, Alps. Like, they go to the Alps, and these are the on the border of Austria and Italy. Okay. Okay? So, they're hiking along. They're about 10,000 feet up, and they come along a body. They find a body face down in the snow. Oh, no. Okay? So, they're thinking, this is, like, a fallen hiker. Like, yeah. who is this? What is this? So, they get, the Austrian police come up, and they can't get the body out. Because it's so frozen, they can't get it out. So then they eventually try to get it out with axes and drills, but it's too far in. They can't get it out. Okay. So now, it's a few days later, they get the body out, and they bring it to an archaeologist. So they're thinking, this could be, like, um, they were like, oh, it could be a soldier. It could be a um, mountaineer. Like, they're not really sure what they found. Okay? Okay. So... They're thinking, oh, there's bodies found from World War I and II of all these soldiers. So they're like, maybe that's what it is. All right. So they carbon date this body. So it's like an older body. It's, it's not an like a body. new. an older body. Okay. It looks, it's, it's intense. So okay. they carbon date the body. It is 5,300 years old. What? Okay. That's so real old. <laughs> it's his, not just that's old. That's a real, real old. old body. So yes. They name him Uzi. Or La Mumia de Similon. Okay, so this, this body, there was like a custody battle over the body. They were like, okay, should Austria get him? Should Austria get him? Or should Italy get him? So I think Italy eventually wins out. He goes to a museum in Bolzano, Italy. He is found face down in the snow. And he was literally packed into this snow, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's found face down. He's packed in the snow and just surrounded by rocks. So that's why they think his body is so well-preserved because he was literally just packed in ice and just protected from decaying. So he was so well-preserved, literally, that his organs, his pubes, his brain, <laughs> and his penis, supposedly, oh, are no. all <laughs> intact. Um, all right. So he is the <laughs> most... Intact human specimen ever, and he lived between 3239 to 3107 BC. And this is around when math and astronomy are being invented. That's how fucking long ago this is. So, Utsi is about, I think he's about 45 years old, and about 5'3 to 5'5 and 140 pounds. Alright, so now, why is this guy
0: where, where is, it? who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this Watch, guy? watch for they, this guy. Watch for him. Where watch for this guy. So... How
1: did this guy die? At first they're thinking, oh, okay. He died of natural causes. He must have died in a snowstorm. They, they're they thinking all these things, okay? Because they're like, like, when they first find this body, they find multiple tools around him. They find a dagger and arrowheads and a copper axe, like among other things. Um, and he actually changes the timeline of how they think humanity progressed because he had a copper axe and they didn't think that humans had the capability to make copper axes like mm-hmm. this until, like, a thousand years later. Okay. So he literally changes out of the timeline, and that meant that, like, when he was alive, they were stepping out of the Stone Age. So now, they, have like, surveyed this body. They're trying to figure out what killed him. It doesn't happen until ten years later. So ten years later, they give him a um, CAT scan, and this guy picks up that he has an arrowhead lodged in his shoulder. Oh, so he was okay. marked. He was marked. He got marked. Then they find traces of pollen on his shoes so that means that he had gone up and down this mountain several times so they're like okay this is just the beginning of farming communities like all of this so they're thinking okay so he must have been killed by someone who was pursuing him because they're like okay he sat there and was going up and down this mountain up and down and just going from place to place so they're thinking okay he must be pursued. He must be running from someone. Do you
0: think he was just exercising?
1: He was just taking a brisk jog. He was like really, he really could have quick. Like
0: just been running. He was like, I've
1: got to go. Like he was like those seagulls on the beach in the vine, where it was just like run. Don't. So he was just like, I've got to go. <laughs> he, actually, he had places to see. He had people to see. Um, places to go. People places to, see. to go and people to see. So. Then they find out he has healing cuts on his hands. So that means that he had gotten, he had, like, defensive wounds, basically. Mm -hmm. And so he had won the fight from whoever, like, whoever he was facing down. He had won the fight and walked away because he had the blood of four other people were found on his stuff. Oh, So they find this blood and everything on his, on all of his, like, on his arrowhead. He had a knife in his hand. Like, he had a dagger. Yeah. And so they find this blood on him. So they're like, okay, maybe this guy is being pursued. He's running away from them, Okay. So now, he, he was shot from, so, like, they do the whole investigation, and they determine that he was shot from behind, basically. Okay. So someone crept up on him, and they shot him from behind. And they're looking, and they're, like, doing this CAT scan, and they see, like, either what could be rot or is blood in his brain.
0: So, like, Mm. if it's
1: blood, that means he was hit in the back of the head. Yeah. So they find out it's blood. So he was hit in the back of the head, and they're not sure if that happened because he fell Mm -hmm. or if because he was hit and then after he got shot. But either way, he was murdered. Okay. Okay. And they think it must have been someone that he knew because they pulled the arrow because before you, like, it wasn't all attached. So they pulled out the arrow left in the arrowhead and they didn't take the axe. So they're like, it must have been someone he knew because that was such a prized object. Like the copper axe was. Yeah. That they would have taken it. They would have taken whatever it was that they were aiming to rob him or something. So it was probably someone he knew who didn't want to be identified. Okay because they took out the arrow that could have identified where they were from and they didn't take the axe they left it with him so in case they brought it back to wherever they were going they wouldn't be able wouldn't to know. figure out yeah so thinking it must be someone that he knew so then um they're surveying the body more so he had a bunch of actually what's interesting about him he had a bunch of tattoos and they made Ooh. the tattoos by literally cutting the skin and then putting charcoal in it, like putting ah. ash in the skin. And so he has them in weird places. So he has them like on his knees, like on his back, like all these joints. So yeah. they think that he might have done it because he was like it was like early acupuncture.
0: Okay. So like
1: this might, and if it, if it is early acupuncture, then it would have meant that like this happened a thousand years before it was like to china yeah so it was like it changes the timeline again
0: can you imagine sitting there and someone just literally putting charcoal inside of your skin oh it's i could barely sit through a three-hour modern tattoo let alone someone ripping open my skin and uh shoving some grilling utensils in there i don't know they literally and it was like ash they were like it was ash from like a fire and they would cut him. So
1: he has, like, crosses and, like, straight parallel lines, like, yeah. all over his body. So let's talk about Utsi's curse. The first one, there are seven people right now who have died from the supposed curse of this man. Okay. Okay? So the first one is Rainier Hen, who is a forensis, forensic pathologist. He dies in 1992. Body is found in 1991. So he was the first person to interact with the body, and he pulled the body from the ice with his bare hands and pulled oh, and put it into it. the bag. Yeah. He touched it. Big move. Okay. Milk. So he's on his way to give a lecture on the body, and he dies in a car accident. Um, so it's 1993, and this is Kurtz Fritz, and he is the one who um, he showed... The like he showed the forensic pathologist. He showed him to the body. He mm. was like the mountaineer. He yeah. was a guide, and he used to give. He gained money from the connection, and he would organize tours of his gravesite. But like he would just take the people up the mountain. Yeah. So, um, he goes with a group for a hike, and this is an experienced mountaineer. Remember this? Yeah. He goes for a group with a hike for. A, ugh, he goes with a group for a hike. And he's the only one of his entire group to get hit by an avalanche and die.
0: The only one. The, the avalanche affected one. no one else in
1: this group. Literally. Except him. He's the him. only one. Okay? Mm-hmm. He was 52. Now comes to the most interesting one. Mm-hmm. Helmet Simon. Helmet. Who discovered the body. Yeah. Okay? 69 years old. He goes missing on a hike. And... He was really mad because he was not being compensated for this body. Mm Because he was the one who discovered it, so he's real mad that he's not being compensated. So he wins a court battle to rights to the body or something. So he goes (laughs) on a hike, and they are like, where did he go? So they send a team out there to find him, and it turns out he fell 300 feet into a ravine. Oh. Okay. 200 kilometers from where he found the body. That's a big boy. Wow. Alright, so, and then they were saying that this, the blizzard that supposedly caused him to fall was like very rare for that time of year. Yeah. Also in 2004, Dieter Warneck, he go he was the one who leads the expedition to go find Helmut.
0: Mm
1: hmm. On his way from Helmut's funeral, he dies of a heart attack an Are hour, you one kidding me? hour after this guy is put in the ground. He. Gets, it, he finds out, he, or he doesn't find out he's a heart attack, he has one. Yeah. So he dies. So this guy named Seth Michael mm-hmm. on YouTube puts forth this idea. He was like, I figured out who Uzi is. He was like, I know, let me spill the tea. Mm-hmm. He spills the tea. Supposedly, Uzi is the son of Lemek who was the son of Cain. He's like the great, 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 oh, grandson of Cain. Yeah. Okay. So he lived in like 3300 B.C., so that is the story of Utsi and his
0: curse. Wow. I am doing the miniature coffins found in Arthur's Seat. Oh my god. All right. Yes, Daddy. Edinburgh, Scotland. I climbed Arthur's Seat. So we're going to start out in June of 1836. Okay. A group of boys were out rabbit hunting on the northeast slopes of Arthur's Seat in Edinburgh, Scotland. In a secluded spot on the same side of the hill, they discovered a small cave in the rock hidden behind slabs of slate. Inside the cave were 17 miniature coffins. Okay. So to this day, no one knows how the coffins got there, who made them, or why they were even made in the first place. So let's start with the theories of how they got there. Um. First, I want to describe how the coffins actually looked because, like I said, there weren't miniature, like, Lilliputian, like, dead people in these coffins. They were weirdly decorated dolls inside Mm -hmm. this coffin. So the way they looked, they were arranged under the slates in three tiers. There were two tiers of eight and one coffin on top. So 16 and then one coffin over those, those two tiers. So kind of like a little pyramid. And each coffin is only 95 millimeters in length and contained an expertly carved wooden figure dressed in custom-made clothes that were stitched and glued around them. So each one had, like, their own little outfit, and some of them didn't even have arms so they could, like, fit inside, like, the miniature Mm -hmm. coffin. So the people of Edinburgh, the good people of Edinburgh, Scotland, (laughs) had different ideas as to why they were made and some were a bit more reasonable than others. So I'm going to start with my first theory and my favorite theory, which is witchcraft and demonology. My two favorite <laughs> Which things. is the first, the first thing they decided to go with was witchcraft and demonology. So the Scotsman was the first paper to report on the coffins on July 16, 1836. And the Scotsman cried, Satanic spell manufactory! They went on to say, Our own opinion would be, had we not some years ago abjured witchcraft and demonology, that there are still some of the weird sisters hovering about, I think this is pronounced, mu- Mushets? Mushets? Karn, mushads. Mushads? Karn, <laughs> or the Windy Gal, who retain their ancient power to work the spells of death by entombing the likeness of those they wish to destroy. It sounds like what was
1: in my eulogy at my funeral.
0: <laughs> was the like, weird sisters. they just they just really There was like who's the weird sisters who can say who knows who can say? um so that was that that was the first thing of course the people of scotland of edinburgh went to they were like it oh, has yeah. to be witches and demons it can be nothing else other than that so other scots had other traditions that they said it was besides you know witchcraft and spells and mm-hmm. demonology and voodoo or whatever it was and other Scots had traditions um, that said there were ancient customs in Saxony of burying in effigy departed friends who had died in a distant land. So it was basically if you had a friend who had died somewhere else, you immortalize them as in like a mini doll, like a doll. form okay. and like bury them because you couldn't bury them in person okay. yourself. Okay, okay, So it was kind of like a like memorial type thing. Okay. They, they think it could have been. Um. Another theory came in 1976 that um, there was a German seafaring tradition um, or superstition that consisted of keeping mandrake roots in tiny doll coffins or dolls in the coffins as tiny talismans for like a horde of like lucky charms. And that these dolls were hidden in the hillside by a merchant to be sold to sailors. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like here's a lucky charm, like this will keep you safe. They gave them like a, when you a go marshmallow saw, they literally they were like Here is <laughs> these... <laughs> Here's me lucky charms. No, that's Ireland. This is Scotland. Oh, Those right. came later on. <laughs> this isn't lucky lucky the leprechaun is now out here storing <laughs> miniature like doll coffins Okay, and but imagine you're out. like going to pour yourself a nice bowl. Of Lucky Charms, and it's just mandrakes. <laughs> Mandrake roots in doll coffins. <laughs> Can we please make that a thing instead of Count Chocula? It's like... <sighs> Mandrake roots. Man- <laughs> Mandrake root. Count Mandrake root. Oh, no. Not that. Oh, no. All right, so that was a another theory. Okay. Um, and... Is it? Okay. I don't know. And our final theory, which I think will be your favorite... Is that, are you ready? Okay. Many think the Coffins have a connection to famed Edinburgh killers. Step up Mr. William Burke and Mr. William Hare. So just some short background on Burke and Hare, if you've never heard of them. um, My Favorite Murder has a really good episode on them that they actually performed in Scotland. I suggest you listen to that if you want more background because I'm not going to get into them as much wild boys. The Theory with the Coffin. Yeah, basically. So just a short background. Um, In the 1800s, Edinburgh was a renowned center of medical excellence and had a reputation as a place to study the healing arts. So studying anatomy was a vital component. So for this, they needed cadavers. They needed dead bodies to study anatomy. And what better way to make a few bucks or pounds or Mm -hmm. pence? So they would make money to take illegally buried bodies from the graves or the gallows after someone was hung at the gallows and make money for it by selling it to people who were medically practicing on these bodies. my student
1: loans get bad enough, I might start doing that too.
0: I mean, honestly, just kill me. <laughs> just let me die. Just kill me and <laughs> sell me to science. I will help you pay <laughs> off your loans. <laughs> if one of us is going to do it, it might as well be me. Yeah, you know? Um, anyway, <laughs> so, you know, who... But, you know, going back to Burke and Hare, who needs to snatch dead bodies when you could just snatch living people and kill them? Snatch their
1: weave, slit their neck.
0: Literally. So Burke and Hare um, started these killings. Well, they started when an elderly tenant in Hare's boarding house died, owing him money. So to get his coin, to get his pence, Burke and Hare sold the body to Dr. Robert Knox. To use in his anatomy school. So that was the first body, was this elderly man who just died casually. They didn't kill him, he just died. Um, but that led them to the idea that, you know, no one else in this boarding school was about to drop dead, so we have to kill people ourselves. So they went on a 10-month killing spree that ended with 16 victims and in 1828, they were caught, and Hare became a witness and was granted immunity, and he basically sold out Burke. Damn, he turned a straight he up snitch. Like, he was like, I ain't no, raised no snitch in this house. <laughs> ain't raised no snitch nope. here in Edinburgh. So Burke was hanged in front of a crowd of thousands, making him technically the 17th victim for the 17 doll coffins found Ooh. in arthur's seat so there were 17 coffins for 17 victims even though burke technically wasn't a victim he was still the 17th
1: body a mean friend turned him out
0: yeah he wasn't that's victim. true <laughs> a victim of snitchery <laughs> okay we raised no snitch in this house so for the 17 coffins people are asking, could they be representations of the lives lost in the murders? And they were, like, since they couldn't bury the people Mm -hmm. themselves, it was, like, a memorial that they were, like, stashed there. Okay, that sounds so,
1: okay, that sounds really good. That sounds like a good theory. I was, like, it
0: makes sense because 17 and then, like, the same number, it makes more sense than, like, the witchcraft Mm -hmm. ones or, like, anything else. Like, or someone was, like, like, someone just made them and was, like, here, let me I'm just gonna put these here and maybe someone will find them.
1: And two, it's like they're like you figure these are like desecrated bodies. So yeah. It's like you need to have some sort of like I And don't the
0: know. well, it's I was actually reading on it and the way the dolls were made, it said they looked like they were originally like toy soldiers. So um. and they had like eyes open, so they weren't like meant to be dead bodies. Like mm-hmm. they weren't meant to like be dead dolls in these coffins. Like they were probably like children's toys or someone carved them to be that. Okay. And then they you know, put, like, the, like, glued clothes on them, like, Mm -hmm. whatever, and then put them in these coffins, because, like I said, some of their arms were detached so they could fit in the coffin, so I don't think they were made with that in mind, that they were going to be dolls. And today, um, three of these miniature coffins are on display at the National Museum of Scotland with only theory behind where they came from, and that is the story of the miniature coffins. (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> so that is all that we have for today this has <laughs> been most excellent the podcast all right thank you guys Bye-bye. Right, bye bye until next time stay spooky stay spooky and spunky.